In this week's episode, have you ever read a post-capitalist manga? We hadn't either, but we're sure glad we have now. It's all happening now on Cover B. Everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. Can you believe it's already almost April? No. That's crazy. Actively no. It's, I it's wild. There there have been three whole months that I don't know that I was awake for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I react the same way every single year, and yet I feel like it gets faster and faster every single year. So eventually I'm just gonna be like happy new year and then i'm gonna wake up on december 30th <laughs> be like also no, happy new happy year? new year again <laughs> anyway let's spring forward on into some comics yes shall we oh, oh. i gotta make daylight savings time jokes while i can <laughs> that's true they're going away <laughs> gotta get them all out now there's gonna be a whole generation of people who don't know the terror of waking up on a Sunday having lost an hour of sleep. Yeah, right. And I'm jealous of them. See, I I stay up late, so it's always, it's less like I wake up and have lost an hour of sleep, and more like I look at the clock and I go, uh-oh, looks like we're getting one less hour of sleep tonight. <laughs> That's true. I'm not ready for bed, so whoopsie dingo. <laughs> Anyway, we got a cool week this week. Two big books coming out of Image. Uh, the first one... Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm silly. I just, for some reason, thought... Anyway, brain fart. We have two interesting books. One coming out of Image. One coming out of Dark Horse. The first one is coming out of Dark Horse. Uh, this is We Have Demons. This is written by Scott Snyder uh, with art by Greg Capullo. Uh, this follows a young woman named Lamb as she uncovers the mystery of her father, who is a preacher in the south uh she visits revisits her history with her father growing up um and his kind of belief on faith and belief in people and belief on the nature of faith and things like that uh eventually she goes off to college they kind of become isolated and separated because she's uncovered some sort of mysteries around him um that he refuses to elaborate on. He's very strict about not elaborating on that. And that causes them to kind of alienate each other. Uh, he passes away and she comes back home only to discover what her father was actually up to. And it's crazy and intense. What'd you think? I loved this book. I thought mm -hmm. it was yeah. written in a very cool way. I thought the character felt very organic the dialogue or or narration, I guess it were, feels very natural. Mm -hmm. The flow and pacing is excellent. The art is great. And it does one of the things that I love the most in fiction. And that is it has started to develop its very own, very independent mythos. Yep. And oh, if I don't love a good new mythology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a, it's a really cool book. It's, I like how it you know is it's kind of rooted in a concept that is approachable and understandable it's something that we've seen before but then it takes these sort of kind of over the top glamorous liberties with that yeah you know you have people in like specialized suits and like you know 
special weaponry and stuff like that. It's 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 cool, and it, it's it does that in a way that only I think Greg Capullo could really pull off. Like mm-hmm. I think his style just naturally kind of leads to that. Like, what if this basic concept, and then I don't know, we kind of like comic booked it up a little bit. Yeah, uh, and it's good way to put it's it. cool. I and going back to my brain fart. Part of the reason I had that brain fart in saying that we had two books from Image is it's really hard for me to wrap my head around this being a Dark Horse book. That's super valid. It, <laughs> it doesn't feel like one. It's cool that it is a Dark Horse book, but even from the physical book itself. Like, yeah. The book itself is made out of different stock and paper than what Dark Horse usually prints on. The interiors and the way it flows and the way it opens and kind of the ads in the back and stuff are very different from what we get. So it seems like Dark Horse might be trying to do, like, obviously they put a lot of hype into this one. It was the cover of the previews two months ago. It's, they've been, they have all kinds of different covers and like retailer incentives and stuff like that for this. Um, So they're really hyped on it because it's Scott Snyder. I don't mean this in a bad way. But this book just feels really classy for Dark Horse. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I I love Dark Horse stuff. Like we very recently talked about uh, Radio Spaceman. Yeah, Is that what it was Radio Spaceman. Is that what it's called? Uh, I think that's what it's called. But now I'm second guessing myself. So T's gonna look it up. But uh, we talked about the new Mike Mignola book. Radio Spaceman. Radio Spaceman. Yeah, Mike Mignola. He said with confidence. Um, <laughs> he tried to say with confidence. <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, so we love a good, we stan a good Dark Horse book. You know, we we love a good Dark Horse unless it's performed by Katy Perry. And <laughs> oh, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> does she have a song called Dark Horse? I think she does, yeah. Anyway, um, well, that was that was just classy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Smooth. What can I say? I'm talented. Um, but yeah, we uh, we like Dark Horse books, but it's just it's the formatting of this book is interesting. Yes. And I think maybe Dark Horse is trying to reformat. Maybe that we'll start seeing more books kind of formatted this way, formatted a little bit differently, a little bit thicker, a little bit different. Uh, and it would be good for them if they could bring over. Some more heavy hitters, some more heavy talent, uh, and get some wildly good stories. But this is a cool book. It's really, really cool. You know, we often just kind of gracefully drop, like, TV potential or movie potential when we talk about things. And I know that doesn't define a good book. Like, a good book doesn't have to be made into a TV show or a movie. But it's interesting to see the ones that have good TV potential. And what I mean by that is book with good tv potential has the ability to be is a strong enough story to be told different and still be good so like the best tv shows based around comics obviously are the ones that kind of take their own liberties with it and do Mm -hmm. it well you know the Watchmen show did that really well the uh i personally thought the jupiter's legacy show did that really well uh apparently the boys does it really well we still haven't seen the boys i know you're gonna stop listening to our podcast forever because we just lost all our street cred we're we're working on it (laughs) but when they when they take liberties and make it kind of its own unique thing while keeping enough of the source material to be interesting that's when it's really good and so in my opinion whenever i drop and this is just me clarifying because we drop it a lot and we've never really like sat and clarified it Whenever we drop the, like, this has TV potential, for me, it's less like, 
oh, it'd be really cool to see this on the screen and more. I think it's a strong enough story that I'd be willing to engage with it a second time in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. concept is strong enough that it makes room for other writers to come in and kind of redesign it and tell a new story while feeling familiar. Yeah. That's what I mean by TV potential. Anyway, this has it in like freaking spades. It's cool. It is a cool concept. It is a welcome concept. Uh, you know, fans of Buffy would love this. Oh, yeah. Fans of Hellboy, Constantine would love the crap out of this. It's really, really cool. And it's just got that nice Greg Capullo, like, death metal vibe. To oh, it, yeah. You know? It definitely does. Uh, now, I'm not trying to stir up drama or, or, or spill the tea on some gossip. But now that Scott Snyder has this big hyped book over a dark horse... Where's Bendis going to take Jinx World next? I'm sure Scout's looking. <laughs> I That man is going to go to every publisher <laughs> before he's done. I'm just throwing it out there. Who's next on the docket mm -hmm. for, a, for a tour on the Bendis route? <laughs> well, I think he's pretty... I do think he's pretty... Uh, entrenched at Dark Horse, and maybe that's what's giving them the motivation to kind of start rebranding, you know what maybe. I mean? Maybe start, like, changing it up a little bit. They've done this over the years. They've, you know, for, I don't know, a good portion of the mid oddies to, like, the early teens, Dark Horse was, like, the IP place. Hmm. It was, like... You went there for your alien and you went there for your, I think even like Conan was Dark Horse before like, it went back to Marvel. Was Buffy over at Dark Horse at that point? Uh, Was Buffy, was, was Buffy Dark Horse or was it IDW? I think it was Dark Horse. I think it was Dark Horse. But yeah, it, you know, they were all these IP things. It was like Tarzan and Conan and that kind of stuff yeah and like that's where you went for your like ip stuff and then they started losing these ips particularly the big hits and i mean star wars star yeah. wars was duh like forget the big one um <laughs> and th that's the thing is marvel started really like pulling back and reclaiming disney and marvel started reclaiming a lot of these ips star wars conan uh alien predator Buffy, and, i just confirmed and okay so and then buffy went over to boom you know so they started losing these ips so over starting in like 2014 ish when the star wars thing the ball was rolling for it because i think that was 2015 when star wars made the jump made the jump um they started trying to figure out other things yeah you know what i mean they really started trying to figure out like where do we go from here and how do we keep rolling and so they tried a bunch of different stuff and you know one of the big pushes was getting mike mignola really up front and they started a lot of new like testing out like testing the waters on like new ips like new in-house ips yeah and being more welcoming to like creator-owned stuff and it's worked for them they've had some good stuff hit um and so maybe now they're getting to a point where they're comfortable yeah and they can really like start putting out some big bangers because you know Anyone who's been looking at comics for a while knows that the comics market is really 
saturated by obviously the big two superhero giants mm-hmm. but then also image for the longest time has been like the kind of leader of the creator owned market yeah boom has recently really seen a flush of attention True. um and so they've really picked up a big portion of the market share but their momentum that they got with a lot of their titles and images momentum that they've had with a few kind of recent titles like ice cream man and stray dogs and things like that right has not really sustained very well. Right. So there's this really interesting kind of power vacuum in the creator-owned market. And you see these up-and-comers like SourcePoint and Scout really just like throwing, even Aftershock to a degree, yeah. just like throwing titles at the wall hoping that they can fill that vacuum. Yeah. Like it's a really big push point for creator-owned publishers to try to like get in and be the next big thing and it's why awa exists i mean they're recent yeah awa exists and they've come in come out of the gate kind of swinging trying to get something behemoth is pumping out just tons and tons and tons of stuff and everyone's trying to really be that next something is killing children effectively right you know because that was the point that boom really just like you know i mean they had buffy at that point i think and they had the did they have power did they have Power Rangers yet? Or did they get them afterwards? I think they had Power Rangers. I think they had Power Rangers. They had Power Rangers. They had Buffy. You know, they had Firefly. And they, you know, so they had these IPs that they were working with. But that something is killing the children hype really just, like, took them yeah. into the stratosphere. And then they've had a few other things, like We Live and stuff, that have really, like, popped up. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's now's the time for dark horse to really like get some good creators in like bendis and snyder and really just like start pumping stuff out to try to be the next thing to fill that void and i think this has the potential to do it i think this has a lot of really open bringing people into comics kind of potential yeah i mean which is great because if they're if you've got people like snyder and bendis who have names and from you know that are recognizable from covers on marvel books and dc books and then they start, people start reading Dark Horse comics. Then they get introduced to the world of Mignola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. And that's the cool thing about Dark Horse is that they have a really rich background of comics that people yeah. can get into. You know yeah. what I mean? Even back to their old IP stuff, like their old Star Wars stuff and Conan stuff. Yeah. Like, it's a cool, it would be a cool publisher to become a fan of if you're kind of fresh or been out of the comic game for a while to kind yeah. of like step in to Dark Horse as opposed to these other, like, I'm not dunking on the other companies. Like, stepping into Boom would have been cool. But Boom has a very kind of bright image for the most part. Yeah. You know, with the exception of something is killing the children. Which almost made it interesting for people that kind of came in with the hype of that comic. Or came back with the hype of that comic. And then they looked around at other Boom fair. And it was a little bit more bright and peppy. Yeah. Than what they were getting out of this. And Boom's not afraid to play with more... Uh young oriented IPs. Yeah, I mean too. they have two separate uh imprints for young stuff. They've yeah. got Kaboom, which is I think Kaboom is the one that's like older and then Boombox is the one that's younger. I might yes. have those flipped. No, I'm but pretty sure Boombox like, is the younger Boom is the one. one that's like it's still family friendly but it's like older kids. Yeah. Uh like Lumberjanes was Kaboom, I think. I might have this entirely backwards. I'm sorry. Everybody. <laughs> And Boombox is the kid, the younger kids one. But anyway, um, yeah, I uh, picked this book up. 
if you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's really, really fun. Yeah, it was really cool. It's really text heavy, but it's laid out very, very well. And it's paced very, very well. Yeah. Scott Snyder does a really good job of... He's definitely a prose comic writer. Yes. Like, he definitely relies on the prose. He is not the type that doesn't... That strays away from, like, narration and exposition. Yeah. Uh, but he paces it incredibly well. Yeah, He's and very, the exposition doesn't feel weighted. It doesn't feel like, but what happened to this guy that we're now bringing up for the first time? Like, it's none of that. It, it feels organic and mm -hmm. realistic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Moving on, uh, coming out of Image, and actually Image this time. <laughs> I think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, is Ghost Cage, number one. This is written by Nick Dragata and Caleb Gwainer. Gwainer? 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 Gwainer. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. If you'd yeah. like to tell us how to pronounce your last name, <laughs> you can find us on social media at Cover Me Podcast. <laughs> at Cover Me Podcast on Hit Facebook, us. Twitter, yeah. Instagram, and TikTok. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll do an, an edit to this episode in a later episode if you follow us. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shoot us a TikTok. You pronouncing your last name. I'm, I'm holding pronunciations <laughs> hostage for follows. That's the level I'm at, people. And the art is also done by Nick Dragata. Uh, this is a bonkers book. Bizarre. It's wild. On its surface, it's all about power. It's all about a corporation uh, that is uh, produces energy. And in doing so, basically controls the town, possibly the world, but at very least the city. Uh, that surrounds its major tower infrastructure. This tower is made up of different layers. Each layer focuses on a different form of energy, the bottom being coal, the next one up being hydroelectric, and so on and so forth, uh, going up all the way to the top. A terrorist has attacked this tower and has unleashed, as the head of the corporation calls it, his dirty little secrets, which you find out what those are, and it's wild uh, and this tons of exposition and tons of setup. It feels like the opening cutscene of a video game in the beginning of this book then leads into a bunch of meta commentary about corporations and basically freaking kaiju fights, which is really neat. And it's all done in a very interesting pseudo anime kind of, but very animated, uh, style that Nick Dragata brings to the book. Uh, with very interesting characters, very interesting settings, and just a tongue-in-cheek approach to what could have been, like, a lofty, you know, takes itself very seriously, almost Kojima production-style story. Uh, and it's it's wild. And you get introduced to a lowly employee of this corporation who's being tasked with being the effectively mobile IT of this robotic super being that the CEO of this company has injected into the tower to stop the terrorists plans. That about sums it up, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this book is a capitalist manga. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It is 100% a manga. The art style feels very manga. The in like depiction of the characters is is I, I don't want to say this is a negative thing. They're the character stylings are rudimentary to a point. Um mm-hmm. like intentionally so. Like you have a character who's our like kind of main character that we follow. They are very um positive and gung-ho and optimistic and and trying to be the best employee they can be and it and there's some level of that to where it feels kind of tongue-in-cheek because this is like a weird they're like an it customer service Mm -hmm. guy but at the same time it translates so well to the way when you're watching like dragon ball z and the way the characters interact with each other and the way your main character's like, we can always do better. Like, the the alignment of all of the characters and the weird bad guys and, like, a random soliloquy given off by a kaiju. Like, it is, it is literally a capitalist manga. And it is hilarious and also not hilarious in, like, a great, really interesting, fun-to-read way. Like, I don't know. It was a lot, but it was excellent. Mm. It does definitely fall into the patterns that like action adventure manga and anime do. And I yeah. love that. Yeah, like, exactly. Action adventure manga and anime are very, they're very formulaic. You know, at, at a certain point during a story arc, they will say, this is the plan. Yeah. This is what we're doing. You know, you can think of it as like Naruto. The yep. ninja trials. This is what's happening right now. The yep. ninja trials. And these people, we're going to split you up and you're going to fight. And it's like, that's what happens for a while. Yeah. You know? And you think of shows like One Piece and it's just about like, hey, we're going to go to this place and then there's going to be a bad guy and the story arc's going to focus around this bad guy and then we'll move on to the next one. And, you know. Yeah, like you Yu show. you're going through the tournament. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's the same it's, thing. It's, and that's a very it's a very good style to utilize that doesn't try to overcomplicate things. Like in, in this one, it's literally, he's the main protagonist is injected into this tower at the bottom and has to work their way up. Yep. And that's, it's an easy thing to follow. And when you set your premise that way, it has a lot of forward thrust. It has a lot of forward push. You're always looking for the next like, you know, the next thing is coming. Yeah. But you're able to focus on the right now really well, which lets the creator expand and make it really adventurous and really action packed and interesting. And then it immediately moves on. There's never any like question at the end of like, oh, what's next? And now we have to set up the next story. You know, yeah, it's like, no. nope, you know, exactly. The momentum is there. Uh, I love this book, too, because two protagonists, both gender neutral. Yep. Love 100%. it. Love the hell out of that. Like, I think they may refer, the CEO might refer to, I don't know for sure, but the C, I was thinking about it earlier. The CEO might refer to the robotic protagonist. Sam. Sam as my boy at one point, maybe. But for the most part, he just calls them my sweet child, my baby. Yeah. You're a baby. You're a child. Things like that. The other character, Doyle, is also very gender neutral. Yeah. I don't think we get pronouns at either of them no and i love that that's so cool i love it i just (laughs) just love that like it's well done it's 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 very not only have a general gender neutral protagonist but you have two 
And that's just cool. And Doyle's a cool representative because it's an interesting character that very much fits into any of your lead characters from any manga, making it very approachable. I mean, Mm -hmm. Doyle could easily be Naruto, but could also easily be Sailor Moon. I mean, it's 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 a great use of character. This is a fun read. It's really, really fun. It's, you know, Nick Dragata's art makes it exceptionally fun and really action-packed and just kind of all over the place. But, you know, you always have an idea of what's happening. Uh, the style of it, the pacing of the story, the formatting of the panels, it's all just, it's really energetic. And it's nice. Uh, it doesn't really make use of color, which is cool. Yeah. You know, and it, it works. It doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. It keeps its energy without having to rely on the color element. Yeah. Um, it's a cool book. It's a cool book. And Go if you work for a corporation, I think you'll find it hilarious because there's a lot of moments in it where it's like synergy and stuff like that. Yeah. And You're it's like, just, oh, excuse me. Well, there's like, a lot well, of there's then... a lot of corporate in jokes that happen in this. So if you're a corporate person, you'll find it fun. But yeah, I post-capitalist manga, new genre. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm here for it. Manga about the terrors of capitalism. I'm sure they exist. If you know of any, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and TikTok. At, at Cover Me Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we hope everyone has a good weekend. Get out there and enjoy yourselves. If you're yes. in any of the states that are getting just absolute wonderful weather this weekend, get out and get a hike. Get a hike in. Go for a walk. Go get some vitamin D. Hit the beach. <laughs> just go touch grass. Uh, it'll be good for you. Uh, as always, like we've mentioned multiple times, if you like more, if you want more Cover B, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. You can also find old episodes on our website at CoverBPodcast.com. That's right. And as always, we appreciate you being here. I have been Chris. This has been T. Yup. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. <laughs>